You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Uh, well, I'll start by saying if this text sounds familiar, that's great, um, because we read it a couple of weeks ago on Transfiguration Sunday. Um, also, if this text sounds familiar because it's the bane of your existence, that's great. We're going to talk about that, too. <laughs> Um, So something you need to know about me, and you probably should have known this before you hired me, is I am the queen of giving up. Just really good at it. Um, That sounds bad, but also it's pretty true. Uh, At least I used to be. When it came to the practice of religious practice, I was the undefeated champ. Little baby 16-year-old Andy didn't go to parties didn't cuss, didn't watch movies or shows that she shouldn't, didn't miss the early service, didn't miss a church event, like not a single church event. Um, I was the only teenager who spent the Saturday morning after prom at the ladies' breakfast. (laughs) And I know that the college hangout is going to be talking about dating tonight. I am so excited for this conversation. Um, So I'll just say this in preparation. Raise your hand if you were ever personally victimized by Joshua Harris's book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. (laughs) Anyone? Anyone? I am not a rule follower by nature, so it is wild to me that I found a faith that offered freedom, and instead, I found the weight of behavior management. So much of my time was spent in ascetic avoidance. And man, oh man, the only version of the Holy Spirit that I acknowledged was the one that sought to convict me right into the ground. So what is it about this passage that instills fearful subjugation? Why did I, or perhaps you, here, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, as a call to say shoot or frick or dang it, instead of the PG-13 counterparts. We used to call that veggie swearing. (laughs) Why have we allowed this section of scripture to fuel purity culture in the name of holiness? Why have we allowed it to push us into anxious, over-functioning in our homes, jobs, and congregations? We're going to talk about it. But first, there is no denying two factors that are present in this text. Number one, a cross is a tool of execution. It was created to torture and to kill. That is a heavy thing. That is a reality and a significant strand in our story of faith. And in the Lenten season, it is probably more on our minds now than it is in other times in the church calendar. And second, we have skin in this game. Most of us are sitting here because we're either curious about or are actively committed to following Jesus, and we want to understand what following means. There are very few, unfortunately, fortunately, very few spaces in Scripture that spell it out in a if-you-do-this then that will happen format, and this is one of them. So this conversation matters. 
It's fundamental in our understanding of our own nature and the nature of God. And the concept behind it is so much more expansive than you shouldn't have that second beer or don't show your shoulders, God forbid you have shoulders, or don't drop a very well-placed F-bomb, my favorite of all the bombs. I would love to spend today reframing this passage together to reclaim something so incredibly compelling and so worth living into, and to do so with an eye both to our future as individuals and as a congregation. So let me ask you this. What would it mean if taking up our cross wasn't synonymous with self-abasement or self-denial? What it what would it mean if this instead is an invitation into the good and gracious things of God? Out of self-remembering and self-prioritization and into a gentle practice of self-forgetting. What if taking up our cross isn't taking on the weight of torture? Rather, it is taking in all of the beauty and mystery and generosity that is inherent in Jesus' sacrifice. We have a sacred restlessness in us. We have a desire to find homeostasis. We have a need to take a deep breath and function in the world in a way that makes sense. We have stake in our own thriving and well-being, and that is healthy and important and good. And that can easily cross over into a space of compulsive pursuit of more, more, more. Having more, doing more, wanting more. We know that tension. I think we know that tension so well that it is why we default into this self-denial. If I can give up something that I love, then I'm not selfish or greedy, ergo I'm taking up my cross. It makes sense. It just doesn't work. The cross isn't only about what Jesus gave up. It's about what he gave Taking up our crosses isn't just an exercise in laying down. It is an exercise of picking up. Colossians 3, 12 through 17 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, Forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As I look back on little baby, 16-year-old, brand new to the church, brand new to a faith community, Andy, 
who did everything she could to be the best that she could be before God and her church. I have so much compassion and so much sadness. I didn't understand the nature of God. I didn't know how to lose my life for the sake of the gospel in a way that was healthy and healing. I ran myself into the ground trying to fit a definition of holiness that existed apart from Christ and apart from the growth that can happen within the context of community. And I was tired and I was burnt out and I lasted two and a half years before I said, screw this. And I didn't step foot in a church for years to come because I assumed the people in my church knew a secret that they would not tell me, that the people in my church had their lives together, that the married people never fought or separated or cheated or divorced, that the youth group leaders and kids ministry leaders were somehow perfectly disciplined in their lives, completely educated in the words and ways of scripture, and that they alone possessed some sort of secret insight uniquely able to impart. Parents never yelled. Kids never rebelled. And if I ever made a mistake or misjudgment, I would corrupt this haven with my own darkness. That's sad. That is too much for anyone to bear, let alone a teenager but that is the outflow of a misapplication of taking up our cross. Losing our lives for the sake of the gospel isn't giving up all the things that threaten our perfection, a state of being that, by the way, does not exist in this life. Losing our lives for the sake of the gospel is losing ourselves within the wonder and the wildness and the wideness of the gospel. It is allowing Jesus' unrestrained love to captivate, to envision something more beautiful, to surprise us. It is putting on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience all things that are experienced in the context of relationship. It is serving one another and this community and the broader community in the framework of mutual thriving. Now, does that sometimes look like leaving behind things that are harmful? Absolutely. That is an act of self-forgetting. To recognize our capacity to harm ourselves and others and then choose to move in a direction that brings healing instead of pain? Absolutely, that is embarking into the vastness of the ways of the kingdom of God. That is on earth as it is in heaven. It's compelling and refining and the embodiment of the the work of the spirit in our lives. And it is born from a healthy understanding, a healthy relationship, to the concept of taking up our crosses and following. Self-forgetting invites us into remembering and prioritizing others in a way that both, and I need you guys to hear me on this both piece, both honors our own worth and dignity, 
and honors the worth and dignity of those around us. Healthy self-forgetting is not ignoring our own well-being, letting someone burn us out or use us in ways that are harmful. Rather, it is a process of prioritizing progress and growth through the cutting away of what does not serve us, God, or one another. And instead, fosters the blooming of what does. The problem with the conversation of taking up our cross or dying to ourselves or the flesh versus the spirit is that it doesn't make space for a vision of who we could be. It is only a running away, not a running into, not a running toward. And while that represents one part of the process, we can lose sight of our purpose to reflect the light and life that Jesus is for us and for this world. Following Jesus is holistic. It is both and. We follow by embodying the tenderness and goodness that Jesus holds for us and for others. We follow by outdoing ourselves and showing love, honor, and value to the people around us. We follow by supporting and nurturing this community with our time, our openness, our gifts, and our willingness to be honest about where we need to grow. We follow by naming the growth that we see in ourselves and each other. We follow by supporting the world through kindness, through compassion and care, through being the type of neighbor who is invested, aware, and available. If we truly want to take up our cross and follow, if we want to lose our lives for the sake of the gospel, we will find our way into a faith that amplifies the beauty, and the character of Christ. Because even though now Jesus is often known for what people think he is against, I find it so much more rich to embrace the things that Jesus is for. UBC, may that be our shared heartbeat today. May we leave behind what needs left behind so that we may grow into the places that are waiting to bloom. May we live with intentionality and purpose, remembering that we exist as a reflection of Jesus and that reflection stretches far beyond ourselves. And especially in this season of Lent, may we find the joy in following, holding both the heaviness and the beauty of the cross together. Because with Jesus, where there is death, there's always resurrection. Amen. As we take some space to reflect, invite the Spirit to speak something new, uh, to remind us, may we do so united in a desire to reflect the light and love of Christ today.